Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast, episode number 16. Yes, thank you. I'm very excited about it too. Today we're going to review the 2019 film Pet Cemetery. Now, this one was adapted from the original Pet Cemetery. I'm going to put in a huge spoiler alert like I usually do. Okay, that sound is basically to tell you that there will be spoilers. If you've ever been interested in seeing this movie, if there's something that you've been contemplating but not really sure about please stop the podcast now and go and watch this movie it will really surprise you like it really did me i'm a purist by heart i love the originals and the original pet cemetery was as far as i was concerned just absolutely wonderful but this movie actually really did lend itself to be a little bit more interesting than the original one unfortunately in saying that it's because they adapted a little bit of a different scenario in this movie which i will tell you about with the spoilers unfortunately um, and it does tell the, the story from a different perspective. And I really liked this perspective because it gave a better insight into the movie. Whereas the original, it's, taught, it's basically told from a younger, really, you know, really younger point standpoint of the movie. This one is from a different point of view. So as I said, if you're really interested in this movie, if you've been umming and ahhing about seeing this movie, please go and do yourself a favor. I try not to steer you wrong with these movies. This one, I won't steer you wrong. This one, please go out, grab a hold of it, and go and watch it. In the meantime, before I actually get started, I just want to tell everyone that I am on all social media. I am on Instagram and Facebook at HorrorCryptOz, or you just search The Horror Crypt. I'm also direct messaged at uh, the horrorcryptoz, or sorry, horrorcryptoz at gmail.com. That's all one word, horrorcryptoz at gmail.com. And also, just when you get a chance, tell a friend and uh, maybe steer them in this direction because I think I'm doing pretty fair so far. We're up to episode number 16 and we're flying along here. And we've got some great movies coming up. So, you know, please tell a friend so you can join and we can certainly build the podcast family. In saying that, as I always do, I like to play the trailer. So let's play the trailer. In the woods today, LA discovered a charming little landmark. The Pet cemetery. Place to bury our pets and remember them. Might seem scary, but it's not. Perfectly natural. Just like dying is natural. Old town's been using this place for generations. Folks make a kind of ritual out of it. It's not some campfire story. Saw these in the trees up there. They're warnings. The local tribes carved them before they fled. They fear that place. There's something up there. Something that dates way back. Those woods belong to something else. Something. That cat was dead. It brings things back. Seriously? I know what you're thinking of doing. But they don't come back the same. Daddy. Who's? What's going on? Fuck your daughter. I should never have shown you that place. Your child is not the only thing that will come back. 
this movie is actually adapted from the 1983 novel of the same name by Stephen King and after the 1989 film which was pardon my expression a crock of fucking shit <laughs> I hated uh, Pet Cemetery Part 2 I thought they just went completely um, as they say jump the shark they jumped it so high in the air and so far it wasn't funny I don't think it ever has ever come down it was absolutely atrocious that number two and it was really disappointing as well so this running time is 101 minutes. It was the budget was 21 million dollars. Pretty decent budget. The box office actually tended up by uh, taking 113.1 million dollars. So it really did a, a great um, job at the box office. So the plot of the movie is um, after being evicted from their home, Lewis Creed, an ER doctor from Boston, Massachusetts. Funny how Stephen King always does it around Massachusetts. It's always around Maine or stuff like that. He he loves that place. Moves to a small town of Ludlow, Maine with his wife, Rachel, and their two children, Ellie and Gage, and Ellie's cat, Church. So this is a different scenario. Um, it, they didn't actually say in the movie that they were evicted from their home. What they said was they bought a new home simply because that they wanted to slow down. Obviously, uh, Lewis was working quite a lot of hours as an ER doctor and basically wanted to be home with the kids. So by doing that, they had to go, well, they decided to go and buy a new house in the countryside just to slow down the pace. And I don't think they've ever, they actually ever said during the movie, oh, yeah, we were evicted. There, there was nothing, no indication of that whatsoever. So whoops, that's the first trip over your, yourself right there. Um, so exploring the woods, while exploring the woods, I should say, Rachel and Ellie stumble across a funeral procession of children taking a dead dog to the cemetery called Pet Cemetery. Funny enough. Um, at the University Hospital, Lewis is left shaken after failing to save the life of Victor Pascal, a student who was fatally injured after being struck and dragged by a vehicle. They didn't say, they just said it was, he was struck by a car, it didn't say he was dragged, but he was pretty much fucked up. He um, had massive contusions, uh, brain was basically being exposed. Uh, yeah, he was just, there was no way in hell he was going to survive. I mean, even in a major medic, you know, major hospital, um, I think they'd be hard-pressed trying to uh, save this guy. So being in a little country town hospital um, on a university campus, yeah, I don't think there was any chance of hell of, uh, of Lewis being able to save him. Um, so he later experiences a vivid dream which Victor leads him to a deadfall at the back of the cemetery and warns him not to venture beyond. Okay, let's reverse back a little bit further back uh, back. back. Uh, Victor is dead. He's laying on the on the, the table, and of course Lewis is basically trying to console himself with the fact that he's lost his you know this patient. And he turns, and suddenly he sees Lu um, Victor basically sitting up, looking directly at him, and saying the barrier was is should not be crossed. And of course then he's startled by a nurse coming into the room, and she's like, "Are you okay?" And he looks over to work towards uh, Victor was, and of course Victor's laying down on the bed. You know, dead. So I was like, okay, so before this, that's what happens. So yes, he does have a vivid dream, and uh, Victor is basically says to Lewis, you know, you tried to save me, so I'm going to save you. Do not cross this area. 
and it's a, a deadfall in the woods where Ellie, um, you know, a little bit before Lewis gets home, is walking around the woods, you know, exploring because the, the house backs on towards the pet cemetery, and it goes for quite a long way. So he basically says, um, you know, don't cross that area. Ellie, unfortunately, she decided to try and climb it like most kids do. And um, it was this moment that Judd having to say to her, you know, um, you know, get down from there. She she was startled and she did fall back fall back down from the uh, the wood pile. And of course, he did uh, help her up and said, listen, you know, this is just an area where um, children bury, you know, animals. And she did, she said, oh, you know, because I saw a procession and they said yes well he said well yes this is where they they bury you know animals this is where my i buried my dog um and but don't you know don't climb over that deadfall it's it's very dangerous and you can you can be injured so of course then that's when rachel meets um judd and judd does say listen you know i you know helped your daughter out i hope you don't mind everything's fine and you know i'm your next door neighbor and, and she's like yep that's fine and we you know we've got to go so he wanders off but um Later that, that night, you know, Lewis does have that vivid dream uh, and wakes up the next morning to find that his feet are very, very dirty, which means that he either sleepwalked or this sleepwalking and the vivid dream goes hand in hand. So I was like, okay. But when Lewis got home, he was sitting on the on the porch and Rachel comes in and or comes out and says, you know, you okay? And he does say, um, you know, that I lost a, lost a student. He was hit by a car. But then he says to her, the funny thing about it is that he knew my name. And she didn't really catch what he said. And, he, and she says, uh, oh, sorry, what did you say? And he goes, oh, no, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Now, before we get any further in this movie, I just have to backtrack a small little bit because the opening of this movie is rather interesting. The opening of this movie is you get the vision of um, flying over treetops. And as you're flying over treetops, there's a house that's on fire. And then the camera then pans down to a house across the road from that house. And on the porch, you get to see blood trails, you know, like blood marks um, on the porch. And you see a bloody handprint on not only a car window, but the front door of the house. And that's where the movie starts. So it really opens up differently than the original Pet Cemetery. And I think this is why I did like this movie. Um, I mean, I've always, as I said, I've always loved the, the original. But this one actually was a really interesting take and really interesting spin on it. And I really did enjoy this one. So Lewis awakens to find his feet <laughs> caked in mud. Yes, he does. Because, uh, as I said, he obviously slipwalked um, with Victor. And, yeah, he got a whole lot of... Uh, muddy feet um lewis awakens and he suggests that the events might have been just a nightmare well if they're just a nightmare like people have nightmares all the time you know <laughs> you've got muddy feet i think you've got more than a nightmare going on bud so on halloween church is killed by a truck so uh as ellie is getting ready to to go trick-or-treating with her dad and with a couple of friends judd is um standing down the the driveway and sort of like beckons um lewis to come over and you know speak to him and they walk down a little bit further from the house and of course there is church and he is fucked up and dead on the side of the of the road and uh, of course you know lewis is like ah oh, okay what are we going to do and um judd says listen you go trick-or-treating with the kids i'll take care of this we need to bury the cat but i think we need to bury it tonight and uh, Lewis has got that look on his face like, oh, okay, tonight. All right, fair enough. Uh, we'll do that. But he does say um, to Rachel, he says, listen, uh, you know, later on that evening, I want to tell you that Church was killed in, in the car, in the, in, in the road. Um, and I think we have to tell Ellie. And she's like, no, we can't tell Ellie about this because um, she's just, she's too young. And um, he goes, well, okay, so what do we do? And she says, well, how about we just say that something else happened? And she, he goes, what about that? 
she ran that the cat ran away and she's like okay yeah we'll do it as, as the cat ran away and he's like okay but he said i still think that you know we do need to to speak about you know life and death but she's like no you know she's she's going on for nine she's still too young we can't expose her that much so you know let's just leave it as that uh, the church ran church ran away and um and we'll just deal with it as we come along and he's like okay i don't think he he really agrees with it but he has to go along with it because I guess it's a joint decision of um, both parents to try and make sure that their child is not um, really, really um, affected in an early age that they should be. So Judd Crandall, who, as I said, is the neighbor, who has a bit of a soft spot for Ellie, and he really does. He, I think he looks at her as a, a almost like a surrogate grandchild because his wife has passed away a long time ago. He doesn't have any children. So I think Ellie being around really makes him feel like a grandpa sort of situation. Um, takes Lewis past the pet cemetery to an ancient burial ground to bury church. So it's the Micmac Cemetery. Um, and that was actually referenced in the original movie, uh, the Micmac Cemetery, where um, things happen differently than a regular cemetery. And we'll get to that as we go along. So the next day, Lewis is stunned when Church arrives home alive. So um, at this stage, they decide, listen, I think we should maybe tell Church, uh, tell Ellie that Church ran away. And of course, so they're sitting in the bedroom with, with Ellie and they said, listen, we just need to tell you that Church, for some reason, we don't know what happened. But we were looking around the house and we think the church has run away. And Ellie goes, no, no, church was uh, church was at the at the, my window last night. And <laughs> of course, Lewis is like, uh, what? And walks over towards the window and sees there's some footprints from the windowsill down into Ellie's room. And she says, uh, there he is. He's sitting over there in the corner or, you know, in the, um, in the closet. And of course, Lewis is walking over there, you know, very, very sheepishly and opens the door. And suddenly there you are. There's Church just sitting there, happy as Larry. And of course, you know, Rachel comes over to, to, um, to Lewis and says, I thought he was dead. And he goes, yeah, he was. So, okay, what the hell happened? So Lewis decides to go and investigate and goes over to, to um, over to Judd's house and says, Judd, what did we do last night? And he goes, well, what we did last night was to help Ellie through a difficult situation. Ellie was not ready to let go of her cat, so I made sure that she was not going to, you know, feel that pain. So we did something a little bit different. We went and buried her, buried her cat in that cemetery. And it's only then it's realized that, as he said, you know, things do happen and things do come back from that cemetery and he goes oh by the way that cat is no longer ellie's it's your cat because obviously what you bury comes back to you at home and if you've if anyone has ever seen the original you'll know exactly what i'm talking about that um, when you bury things there they come back to you but they are completely and utterly yours so even though that uh, church has returned home alive he is very different he's aggressive and violent tearing apart a bird and eating it alive which was disgusting because there's um, Lewis and Rachel trying to get jiggy with it in bed. And, of course, they hear this noise on the bottom of the bed. And, and uh, Rachel happens to look over and sees uh, Church sitting there trying to devour a bird. But the bird's alive. And it's just, yeah. And it's not the same, you know, the, as they say, whatever goes up there to be buried comes back. But it comes back very, very different. And I think that's something that Judge should have actually warned Lewis about to begin with. But then again, you know, what are you going to say to someone? You're going to say to someone, oh, well, listen, you know, you need to bury this animal up here but by the way it's going to come back alive and it's going to come back aggressive would anyone do it i don't know i mean i guess if the um the grief is so traumatic i guess you might but still there's always that air of okay it's going to come back and it's going to come back aggressive it's not going to be the same animal or you know so what do you do but you know this is the whole thing 
that uh, is happening. So Judd reveals to Lewis that the burial ground brings things back from the dead and it's believed to be inherited by spirits known as the Windago. Well, we were never told about that either. So, okay, that's great. For, I, didn't, I didn't, even, didn't even know that. So now I know, Windigo. He apologizes after... <laughs> <laughs> which is really great that he's actually apologizing sorry by by bringing this this cat back to life um and basically apologizes and saying listen i'm sorry that the cat did not come back the same it doesn't come back the same when it goes up there like goes up there it's a happy beautiful playful animal comes back aggressive and rips your fucking head off but he apologizes that's wonderful so after church attacks gage lewis unsuccessfully attempts to euthanize him and instead decides to set him free in the wild. This is probably one of the worst things you could have done, Lewis. And so Lewis grabs a hold of, of Church and, yeah, he does. He tries to sedate him or, you know, euthanize him. But of course, you know, <laughs> I don't know whether these these spirits can actually turn and make you really sympathetic to them. But anyway, the cat turns to Lewis and looks at him as if to say, oh, don't do that. I'm, I'm the same cat. Don't hurt me. And then, you know, you just have Lewis sitting there going, ah, oh, fuck. So then he drives him way, way away and uh, lets him out and basically says to him, you know, uh, good luck. I hope you, you know, you survive out here, but I'm getting the fuck out of here and you're basically staying here. And the reason that he did that is was is because he did actually um, corner Gage in his playpen. Gage was laying down and um, Rachel comes in to find that there is a church basically sitting over Gage ready to attack him and was basically you know, making him absolutely petrified. So that was one of the reasons that they decided to get rid of him. So unfortunately, this sort of backfires on Lewis in a big way and it also you know, backfires on the entire rest of the story. But Ellie, um, during her birthday party, Ellie spots church on the road. Okay, Let's go back a little bit further because this is interesting. So Ellie is having a, her ninth birthday party and most kids are happy and excited but she's sitting there as if to say can we please get this fucking thing over with. And during the party she's sitting on the porch and Lewis goes over to speak to her and says you know what's, what's going on? What's, what's the matter? And she said it was my fault that um, Church ran away because when Church started to become more aggressive he did actually lash out at Ellie and attack her and she said to Lewis can you please shut the door I don't want you know Church in my room anymore obviously church used to sleep with ellie you know all night but because he's aggressive and because he's not the cat that he used to be she wants nothing to do with him so as most kids would do she feels responsible for church running away so he goes okay well it wasn't your fault this has nothing to do with you church just ran away um you know this is not something that you did so you know go go and enjoy your birthday party and just you know don't worry about it and gives her a really lovely little um stuffed animal that when you squeeze it 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 uh, meows like a cat so it's absolutely beautiful it's like a, it's a cat with wings and that's almost like some fo more basic foreshadowing coming up so they decide to play i thought they were going to play um like a piñata because the father is is blindfolded not that they're going to be beating the shit out of a piñata in actual fact they're playing um tag so they, they blindfold Lewis and all the kids run in different directions so they, they don't get um, tagged by him. And of course, Ellie runs out onto the road or just on the to the verge of the road and is standing there watching her father trying to find other people. And Gage runs out to almost to the other side of where she is. So basically, the two kids are almost, you know, almost on the road. And um, so <laughs> Ellie happens to look down the road and there comes Church. And he's just wandering in the middle of the road. And Ellie has that one moment of, oh my God, and rushes towards Church. And she's in the, you know, and Church deliberately stops in the middle of the road and sits down. So there's Ellie basically well and truly in the center of the road. And then, of course, over the horizon towards the back of her, you see one of the big... Or, uh, tanker trucks 
barreling down the road and of course you know the, the truck driver gets a phone call and doesn't happen to look at the road looks down at his phone and at that moment um they've, pl- they've finished playing the game and lewis takes his blindfold off and says you know where's where's ellie and happens to look towards the road and ellie's standing in the middle of the road but catches an eye on gauge and gauge is actually running towards the road and this big truck's barreling down so Lewis absolutely bolts towards um, Gage, and at that moment, Gage gets onto the road and basically calls out for Ellie. At that at that split second, the truck driver looks up to see Gage in the middle of the road. Lewis, thank God, grabs a hold of Gage and pulls him towards him, saving his life. Um, the truck driver slight, you know, slams on his brakes. The, the truck goes sideways, and the back of the truck, which is how holds all the fuel, dis um, disconnects itself. And basically heads straight towards Ellie. And Ellie stops, looks up, and sees this tanker coming directly at her. Uh, We can all basically put two and two together and know exactly what just happened. She's hit and killed by the derailed tanker truck. The family is devastated, obviously, as anyone would be. And Rachel and Gage leave to spend a few days with Rachel's parents. Sensing that Lewis is planning on resurrecting Ellie, Judd warns the grieving father that sometimes death is better and dead is definitely better in this situation though victor's spirit warns him grief uh, lewis's grief spurns him to carry out his plan he drugs judd exhumes ellie's corpse and reburies her in the animal graveyard as the winnebago uh, winnebago oh my god i was going to say it's like a truck looks on oh my god windago looks on ellie rises from the dead but manifests a very disturbing demeanor demeanor so really when you look at it this was almost um, foreshadowing for what Judd had done because in the original movie, Judd said that I think the reason that this all happened is because I exposed you to the power of that place. If I had never given you the, the idea to bury church up there, this would not be happening. So Judd has got a fair amount of guilt and a fair amount of um, responsibility on his shoulders. But Lewis does have that, I am going to do this. And Judd does say, you know, I know what you're thinking and, you know, I'm telling you, the things that go up there is not what comes back. It is better that you leave your daughter in peace, leave her, you know, let it rest, but do not do what you're about to do. And of course, unfortunately, and look, with any parent, I'm a parent. Any parent's grief would be so monumental that you would try anything to keep your daughter or your child alive or to have that one last fleeting moment to be with that person. And I think this is what Lewis is doing. He's like, I'm not really, I'm not ready to let go. And this is what he does say to Rachel um, a little bit further on down the track. I'm not ready to let go of my daughter. And so I did the only thing that I knew that I felt that was in my power to be able to do. And, you know, there is pros and cons with this. And I do agree with what Lewis is doing to a point, you know, because he's so grief stricken. He wants that last moment with his daughter. He wasn't ready to let go of her. But trying to heed that warning of Judge. I mean, look, Judge could say that, you know, the child's going to come down, you know, a completely, you know, different person won't even know you. Um, nothing the judge says or does now will actually will have ever help Lewis. Lewis is too far gone now. He wants that. So by doing this situation, he's opened himself up to a whole lot of, as I say, opened up to a whole can of worms. So unfortunately, this really goes quite quite awry. So meanwhile, Rachel is frightened by visions of her dead sister, Zelda. Now, the original Zelda, I think, was a lot more terrifying than this girl. Given it, okay, this girl is scary. I will definitely say... Zelda, this one, is is a scary looking girl, but the original Zelda in the original 
Pet Cemetery scared the shit out of me, and I think most people would say that it, that, that uh, Zelda scared the crap out of everyone. It was something about her because she had spinal meningitis, and she was kept in the back, very very back room, and Rachel was forced to feed her. And of course, unfortunately, at a certain point of time, um, Zelda happened to choke and died. In this version, it was a little bit different. So this version, you see a flashback to Rachel being a little girl, and she was told, "Do not use the dumb waiter." So the dumb waiter is something. If no one's ever heard about it or don't know what it is, it's a mechanical device that you put food in, press the button, it goes up to the first level or the second level, so the people up there can actually take their food out and and eat it. So basically, being served without you having to have any contact. And with COVID nineteen, we should all have dumb waiters right now. <laughs> Why not? Um, but so she was told, do not use the dumb waiter. It malfunctions and it doesn't work all that well. So just go up and feed or just give you know the food to Zelda. At this moment, Rachel decides that no, I'm going to actually use the dumb waiter and puts the the yeah you know, the meal in. Press the button, it goes up. So she hears um, Zelda get out of bed. Now I don't know how she's really getting out of bed because she's pretty much fucked up. She can't really walk. Very bad spinal meningitis, so you're not really really walking around the place all that much. But anyway, she hears this crash, bang, and everything going on, and presses the button, and of course, opens the the um the dumb waiter, and the meal that she put up there for Zelda is all over the place inside the the dumb waiter, and then all of a sudden, jump scare, Zelda falls from the top of the dumb waiter down and dies right in front of um, Rachel. So then she's basically tormented for the rest of her life by the sound of Zelda walking around and calling her name. But that was the very first jump scare of, of the movie. And there weren't too many jump scares. I wouldn't say there was a whole lot that you'd sit there and really say, can we just get over the jump scares? There was maybe two or three, but that one was the first one that really gave you the odd, oh, fuck, holy shit. <laughs> it really it got you. So Gage is also frightened by the ghost of Victor Pascal, who tries to warn them, warn him about going home. So um, you see Gage, and he's in his grandparents, I guess, bedroom, and saying, you know, uh, Pascal, Pascal. And, of course, the mother walks in to see and says to Gage, it's okay, there's none, nobody there. And then, of course, looking from what Gage is looking at, there's Victor Pascal looking directly at him. Now, Victor, in the in this movie, as well as the last one, is not a bad ghost. It's actually a, um, a ghost that's trying to warn them, trying to keep them safe. And, you know, in the original movie, Ellie was the one that was getting all the visions um, of Victor Pascal and was talking to him. And this is the reason that this one is a little bit different, because in the original movie, this whole thing was being played by, from the perspective of Gage, who was basically so young, you couldn't really understand what was going on. This is being told by Ellie's point of view. Now, Ellie is nine, so you're getting a different perspective of being dead, a different perspective of being aggressive. Yes, Gage in the original was a little bit aggressive, but not to the point where Ellie is on this one. And this is why this, this remake, as I said, I'm a purist. I don't like remakes, but this one I'll take because this, this one was actually pretty good. And I did really enjoy the remake of this one. Um, and it does that. It does take it from a different point of view. So he tries to basically tell you know, about him, about going home, trying to get him to get his mother to go home. Don't know how he does this. So um, so Judd wake, Jud wakes up and spots Ellie in the house. He flees to his home in horror to retrieve his revolver, but Judd, distracted by the, a growling church, allows Ellie to surprise him on the stairwell, slicing through Judd's, Judd's Achilles tendon with a scalpel and taunting him with the voice of his dead wife before viciously being stabbed to death. So he really does because, um, you know, 
he, he saw Ellie in the window. And he does do, he, he does, does go to get his handgun and wanders through the house. He's like, I know you're in here. And of course, you know, doesn't find her. But then she, then she attacks him on the stairs, cuts his Achilles tendon. And when he falls down, you know, because she's wearing this really creepy animal mask. And takes the animal mask off and there is his wife. And she's like, you know, you didn't keep her safe. You should never have let them, to, you know, do that th- thing to church in the uh, pet cemetery or, in the, you know, so we're going to make you suffer. And he's like, well, you are not my wife. And of course, then the face materializes back into Ellie. And he goes, and she says, well, that's okay. You're going to join them very soon or join your wife very soon. And he goes, yeah, well, fuck you. And grabs a hold of the handgun. By that time, it's too late. She basically just jumps on top of Judd and just stabs the shit out of him. Now, originally, the uh, the whole scenario was that, he, that Gage um, sliced his Achilles tendon and then bit him on the, on the jugular vein and killed him. But this one was actually really aggressive. And this is why... The different perspective of Ellie being the one that, that's, um, I guess, zombified, I guess if we can make that, um, is a little bit different because it really, really gives you the a different perspective of what this movie was intended to be and what it became. So Rachel and Gage return home and encounter the undead Ellie. Rachel is horrified and flees with uh, Gage to an upstairs bedroom. Well, so, okay, your daughter's dead. <laughs> you saw her being buried. Now suddenly she's alive. And of course, in the in the preview, as you heard, you know, there's there's um, Lewis saying, you know, hug your daughter, and basically says, you know, this is our second chance to be a family. And you just see El, you can see um, Rachel basically shaking her head and saying, um, you know, I don't want her here, and runs upstairs. And um, of course, you know, Ellie doesn't hear that from her mother, but uh, as she runs upstairs, you know, she says, Mummy doesn't want me here, and Lewis says to her. No, 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 it's okay. Mummy just needs some time to, to adjust and get to get used to things. And she goes, it's, it's okay, Daddy. I don't want her here either. So there's a bit of foreshadowing of what I'm going to do to you. <laughs> I think we're going to go and fuck up Mum, unfortunately. So Ellie, enraged at being rejected by her mother, attacks Rachel as Lewis finds Judd's blood-soaked body. Rushing home, Lewis manages to save Gage just as Ellie fatally stabs Rachel. He locks Gage in, in the car and Rachel begs her husband not to bury her in the pet cemetery. So that was really awesome because, you know, she's running away from Ellie. She's locked herself in the bedroom. Of course, Ellie's bust, trying to bust down the door. And she's got this big-ass fucking kitchen knife. So she runs to the window and, and basically, you know, you can hear Ellie really bashing down the door behind her. So um, Rachel grabs a little um, footstool, smashes the window and says to, to Lewis, um, you know, catch the baby, catch the baby. And he says, what? And she goes, Ellie's up here. Just catch the baby. And he goes, okay, I'll drop him. So she, she drops Gage and uh, Lewis catches him. And then suddenly from behind, bang, you get a knife straight through um, Rachel's back. And of course, so Rachel is, um, you know, laying now on, on the ground or, you know, propped up against the, the one of the walls. So there's Ellie sitting alongside of her mother and says, you know, you didn't protect me. I was killed in the road. Um, if you think that there is something after life, you know, as far as the afterlife, you're in for a surprise. It's not heaven, but you're going there. And uh, says, you know, I'm sorry, mummy. And of course, she, you know, Rachel looks over and at uh, Ellie and goes, don't call me mummy. I'm not your mother. You know, my daughter is dead. And she said, well, then join her then. And then, then stabs her again into the side of her side. And basically, that's it. You know, she's, she's dying at this stage. So Lewis runs upstairs and busts open the door. And of course, Ellie's disappeared. We, we, we don't know where she is suddenly. And uh, he runs over to 
to Rachel and Rachel's bleeding out profusely and Rachel does say don't put me up in the pet cemetery don't bury me up there and then you suddenly and then he goes what and looks over and Ellie's behind him and slams a, a chair against his head knocking him out unconscious so the next scene you see is Rachel being dragged um, along the ground by Ellie Ellie is dragging her obviously into the pet cemetery uh, this is where it becomes really hardcore <laughs> it really does um, so as, as uh, so Lewis basically decides okay well I've got to run and try and save what's going on so runs into the pet cemetery and says you know, his calls out you know Rachel and you hear Ellie and you know from the the mist saying you know it's too late daddy she's already you know gone and he goes well, where is she and he goes she said oh she's having a dirt nap right now so it basically means that she's you know for however long that that uh, Lewis was unconscious Rachel is now you know basically being put up into the pet cemetery further up in the pet cemetery so she can come back so there's a big fight there fight that ensues between uh lewis and ellie and lewis and ellie's got this huge fucking kitchen knife and um goes to cut his throat and she's she's on his back and she's basically saying you know don't fight daddy it's better if you don't fight and so he bites her on her on her um, wrist getting her to drop the knife and throws her off the off of his um, back and grabs the um, the shovel that he was going to go and bury um, bury her again with and goes to, to decapitate her and she said and you know he goes you know well I thought we had we could have been a family and goes to decapitate her and she goes and she basically stops and looks at him and goes but we can daddy we can be a family and he goes oh no and goes to stab her or you know take her head off and then suddenly you get this jump scare of this um, I guess it's almost like a stake going through the center of Lewis's chest and Lewis falls to the ground and of course this moment Ellie then rolls and gets up and there is good old Rachel. She is now a zombie and she is standing above um, Lewis and Lewis is now getting dragged into the pet cemetery. Now before that Lewis had you know when all this was going on Lewis decided to put Gage somewhere safe and puts him into the locked uh, into a car and locks it locks the door um, to keep him safe away from everything that's going on. This is where it's really hardcore this one. And there is an alternate ending, and I'll tell you the alternate ending as well. But this one is really, I find it, I found it very, very hard to swallow this one, um, being I'm a parent. And I just found this really, I don't know why they chose this. I don't mean, look, the two endings that they've chosen, the original ending and the, the second ending, are both hard to, to watch. So I'm just warning you on this one. So along with Church, uh, the undead trio, so now we've got Ellie, we've got Rachel, and we've got um, Lewis. They're all undead. They set fire to Judd's house before approaching the car. The res resurrected Lewis peers into the car at Gage before a beeping sound of an unlocking is heard and the screen cuts to black. So Gage is wakes up in the car and looks out and sees the parents plus his sister walking towards him. And they get towards the car and then Church jumps up onto the bonnet of the car and looks directly at him. And you've got that feeling that, that poor old little Gage is sitting there going, I'm in a lot of trouble. This is, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble with this. And Lewis then looks towards, looks into the car. And then, as I said, you hear the beep beep as the car's being unlocked. You're now given the what happened to Gage. Did he become a zombie? Did they kill him and make him the way that they are? Um, I'll let you go and investigate that on IMDb. There is some notes on the on what had actually happened, what they actually thought was going to happen. The alternate ending was a little bit different. So you've got all the whole scenario of going on with that. 
In an alternate ending released on home media, Lewis spares Ellie instead of killing her, and they both bury Rachel behind the pet cemetery, promising that they will have a family together forever. After burning Judd's house, Lewis and Ellie approach the family car where Gage is still locked in. In the house, Ellie, Church, and the newly resurrected Rachel approach and reunite with an unhappy Lewis, Gage, and he's holding Gage, who is crying. And then the screen basically starts to or the camera starts to pull back and you see lewis sitting directly looking at a window gauges on his lap crying um and as the camera goes out through the window you've got you know obviously ellie and rachel being dead looking directly at it so it's almost like they're going to have this either this unhappy <laughs> marriage this unhappy relationship they're gonna he's now got a dead wife a dead daughter and the other two are either going to f- have the same fate or they're going to go on about the family the way they are I don't, I don't know how they're going to work that one out. But I think the original ending that they made probably stands a little bit better because it gives a bit, bit of a different take on it. But still, there's there's still that gut feeling of like poor little Gage was going to get killed. They were going to bury him up there and basically it was going to be an entire family of dead people. I, I don't know. It's just very hard to, to watch that one, you know. But at the end of each podcast, I usually give a rating between zero to five movie reels as far as buckets of blood. Zero being how do I get the last two hours of my life back to five being was a perfect movie and I'd watch it again. I'd give it a I'd give it a solid three. I really enjoyed the movie. Um, if someone asked me, you know, did you know, what movie did you watch? I told them, and you know, I'd love to watch that movie again. Yeah, I'll watch it with you. But if I didn't, you know, do that scenario, I'd probably sit there and go, you know what? I'll watch it another time. And I think I've watched this now maybe four times. And even my wife, who is not a horror fan at all, actually didn't mind this movie. So that's. That's something to be that's something to be said about that, which was really quite good. So before I go, I always do like to do Paul's fun facts. So today we've got a couple of interesting little fun facts, and this is not for the movie. This is just in general, which is fine. So rabbits can't puke. Who would have guessed that? Unlike cats or other animals that can cough up herb hairballs when they, they digest too much fur and other indigestible materials, rabbits are incapable of spewing. The digestive system only goes one way, so the furry critters swallow plenty of roughage which keep things moving in the right direction. Well, there we go. Who would have thought that one? <laughs> I never thought that, uh, I never thought that, uh, all, I thought all animals could puke, but apparently not. Ta-da! So now this is one for parents, and I, I believe that being one, I've got a lot of things to ask this guy. So would you believe that cotton candy was invented by a dentist? Yes. <laughs> it does not know whether William Morrison had an ulterior motive for inventing the soft confection, but the dentist no doubt helped ensure others in his profession continued drawing in plenty of customers. In 1897, he partnered with candy maker John C. Wharton to develop the cotton candy machine, which at the time was known as Fairy Floss, and it's been bringing kids cavities ever since. (laughs) I didn't know that one. I didn't even know where that came from, but there we go. It was invented by a dentist. Who would have known on that one either? Ring, 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 banana phone. And lastly, a bit of a... Dubious honour here, unfortunately. Credence Clearwater Revival has the most number two billboard hits 
without ever hitting number one. John Fogarty's Swamp Rock Band has the odd distinction of having seen more of its singles hit number two on the charts without ever hitting number one. Other than musical acts between March 1969 and October 1970, the band scored five number two singles on the Billboard Top 100. Proud Mary, Bad Moon Rising, Green River, Travelin' Band and Lookin' Out My Back Door but never saw one of its songs get to the top spot. No other act has topped this dubious honour. Isn't that disappointing for them? <laughs> if I was them, I'd be asking for my money back for sure. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for listening to the Horror Crypt Podcast. Join us next time as we dive into the world of horror movies. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until we meet again, remember, keep the closet light on and always look under the bed. I'll save a spot for you here in the crypt. I'll creep you later. (laughs) 